Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000. Digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the honor of coaching uh, hundreds of entrepreneurs on how to start, launch, and grow their businesses. Today, our featured guest is courageous entrepreneur Tom Schwab. And Tom is the owner, CEO of interviewvalet.com. That's interviewvalet.com. You don't know how to spell valet. V-A-L-E-T.com. And what Tom does there is Tom helps small businesses entrepreneurs, solopreneurs get featured on leading podcasts that their prospects, their future clients are already listening to. Then he shows them how to turn those listeners into customers. Tom is also the author of Podcast Guest Profits, Grow Your Business with a Targeted Interview Strategy. Tom, welcome to the show. I'm excited to get into some podcasting talk here, how you built this, and uh, go ahead and fill in some gaps in that intro, would you? Uh, Joseph, it is. I am thrilled to be here. It's it's great, and yeah, we all struggle going from that zero to a hundred k, and sometimes that hundred uh, k is trying to make it profitable too. Um, I I have an interesting background from the standpoint of I wasn't always an entrepreneur. I started out, you know, in the Navy, then went to a corporate job, and uh, I grew up where it's like we got to find a stable job, find a stable job, and retire from it. Mm. And what I realized was is the best stability is working for yourself and serving customers, right? If you can serve, you've got stability. Stability comes from uh, serving lots of customers, not just one that's called an employer. I get that. And it takes time and hard work. It's not just instant, right? You don't just go out and serve and all of a sudden you're a millionaire, right? That's not how it works. Well, everybody has overnight success. You know, work like a dog for years and then one day you'll wake up with overnight success. You know, I say it this way. Um, I was like, when people say, wow, you're like an overnight success. And I go, yeah, five years of overnights. And <laughs> how I got successful. Yeah, that's, that's what it takes, right? So Tom, take a minute and share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you. Uh, it would probably be where I started out. Um, I'm an engineer by degree. So my uh, undergrad is from the Naval Academy, mechanical engineering. My first job out of college was running nuclear power plants on an aircraft carrier. Well, and um, it no, taught me no stress, right? <laughs> well, yes, but the, the amazing part is, is that when people start to say, well, you know, you don't understand my business, it's, it's too complicated to systematize and all the rest of that. I'm like, dude, there are 20 year old high school educated, highly motivated people that are running a nuclear reactor right now, and they're doing it safely. If they can figure out how to systematize that, you need to figure out how to systematize your business uh, so that it's not a magic trick every time that you can scale it up. Love that. So Startup Nation, Tom is just shoving the mic in your face right now, hitting you over the head and saying, stop making excuses. You could systemize almost any business out there the same way that these young guys can do it on a ship, right? So Tom, let me ask you this. We got a little background feedback there on your mic. Um, how much, uh, my audience loves context, right? Mm -hmm. so how much revenue did you gross in the past 12 months? Yeah. So, uh, for 2017, we ended up at 780, uh, 780,000. Fantastic. And how many, uh, how much time in before you started the business? Uh, we're, we're two years in. Two so years we, in, 
you reached 780,000. How long did it take you to hit the first 100K? Uh, first 100K, well, we were in beta and then we pulled out of that. We were probably the first 100K within the first six months. But I always, I always say that it's like, is that the first 100K of, um, of sales or is that the first dollar of profit, right? I, yeah. I see a lot of people that uh, they say they've got a million dollars in sales um, and they're still unprofitable. So um, I try to focus more on the profits uh, than the top line. Yeah, I get that. Cool. So uh, what are you on track for in the next 12 months? What's the goal there? Yeah. So we're shooting for 1.8 million and really that comes down to 7% growth a month. You know, that's our, our number to hit. Got it. And I'm guessing you probably systematized it on a monthly basis. So you know that it's not only doable, but it's probable. Well, it, it, very much so. And we were actually, our, our stretch goal for last year was a million. Uh, and we actually pulled that back uh, probably with about uh, four months left in the, in the year. Um, and really, because we didn't have the systems mm. to keep going. Um, you know, uh, once you get to a certain level, all your systems break because they're not built for that scale. That's so right. we pulled back and said, hey, let's, let's make sure we have this right, that we've got the quality of the product uh, great uh, so that we can, you know, um, uh, ramp it up from there. I love that. So Startup Nation, as you grow, as you expand, make sure you're backfilling your foundation so that you have that support to keep going further uh, the same way that Tom has done. Tom, here's the question. Why do you think 90% of entrepreneurs struggle to make their first 100K? I think part of it is not sticking with it and not focusing on it. I mean, you can hustle, but are you hustling on the right things? Um, and to me, I, this is the best time to be alive, right? There's a lot of problems in the world, but the, the resources that we have and the feedback that we get from customers, man, uh, they'll tell you, the right answer. You know, you've got an opinion. I've got an opinion. It's the customers that have the right answer. And in the Navy, we used to have a, uh, a joke that says you have to be smart enough to know right answer when told. So um, customers will tell you what they love and what they loathe. And you just got to do more of what they love and less of what they loathe. And, you know, um, you sounds know, simple. Uh, well, yeah, but the problem is, is a lot of times we have these, you know, one, three and five year goals and these business plans and say, well, this is where I'm going to go. And we put our heads down and go as, when the customers are telling, no, the, the riches are over here. This is what I need. Um, so uh, to me, sometimes it's, you know, it's the hustle, it's the hard work, but also hustling in the right direction. Man, that's everything. So many times in my career, I have hustled in the wrong direction, uh, creating products and services that I thought the customer wanted, and they had no intention of paying me for those things because they didn't want them. And uh, taking the time to admit you're wrong and to listen to your customer, just like Tom's saying, Startup Nation, that's where it's at. So check yourself right now. Um, how are you doing in your business as far as listening to your customers? Do you really have a pulse of what it is that they want and they're willing to pay for? Great, great uh, little insight there, Tom. We love to listen to millionaires and billionaires, right? Because we're like, someday that's going to be me. So we'd love to hear their stories, how they got there, all that, that success. However, their struggles at that level are not even close to the struggles that we have at this level, completely distinct from each other. So Tom, I'd like you to take us back to when you were struggling to make that first 100K, the first six months in business, mm -hmm. paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story. 
Yeah. And uh, you're so right because, you know, there's a difference between a biggie entrepreneur, Richard Branson, and where we are all starting out there, the little entrepreneur. And to me, it was how to build something that people wanted that was scalable. And, you know, I, I got it wrong the first time because we were doing this with a handful of, of clients and I thought, boom, the way to do this is to sell it as an online course. And for two and a half months, I sold it as an online course. It sold well, uh, probably sold about $50,000 worth of the course, never had any returns, but nobody ever had success with it. And mm -hmm. as I started to listen to the people and ask them, you know, how did it go? You know, most of the people didn't finish the course. And those ones that um, were really honest with me said, you know, I understand it. I understand how podcast interview marketing works, but, you know, I don't want to do it. You know, I want to be uh, the guest. You take care of all the rest. And I'm like, I don't want to build an agency. You know, I, that's, not, that's not what I want to do. And they kept saying that. And I just realized I can either go ahead and, and sell this course and feel bad about it, right? Because... I'm selling it, but nobody's getting results with it, or I can give people what they want. So that's where we said, okay, let's do this for 90 days. We'll do a beta test and see if this works out. And, you know, um, it worked out. The customers loved it. And, you know, uh, they gave us the best copy, you know, um, the tagline, you're the guest, we do the rest. That came from them. You know, when the customer said, um, you know, I, I, I want to, um, you know, I, I just want to be Sinatra. But the problem was, is that my ego was there because I'd already put this time and this effort into building this course that was selling well. But I had to take that ego back and saying, well, this isn't what the customers want. And it's so tough. I mean, I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, I don't have to answer to anybody but myself, right? I don't have a team or at that time didn't have a team around me, but I, ultimately I had to answer to the, the customers. So at that point, you know, I, I did 50,000 in probably the first three months, but realized this is the wrong track. And I've got to go down another track that the customers are asking for that I honestly didn't want to go down, but I thought, Hey, let's give it another 90 days. See how this works out. And how did it work out for you? Uh, it worked out wonderfully. Um, you know, we could see that we were getting results with it. The feedback from the customers were all we were good. And we thought we had a scalable product there. And, you know, at that point, at the end of 90 days, uh, it was myself, part-time, uh, one other person uh, that was doing it, uh, working full-time in it and for the beta test. And that's at the, that point we decided, okay, we're going to take it out of beta. We're going to launch it. And then, you know, that's when we start to need to bring on more team members. Yeah, I got that. So for, I would say many, many of my audience, 90 days is a very quick uh, turnaround to launch a product, scale it right. And, um, and make profit on it. Uh, how did you market that? How did you get that product out to your audience? How did you identify your audience? Was the audience already in play? Uh, kind of paint us some of those uh, details, would you? Right. So I already had the advantage of that when I pivoted from one to another, I was bringing some audience with me. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I had built up that audience the same, you know, drinking the same Kool-Aid um, that, that we sell. From the standpoint, I think every business, their biggest problem is that they're obscure. I don't care what you have today a product or a service, it might not be, it might not be great. It might be not be version, you know, 7.0, but there are people that it could help, right? So the problem is, is how do you find those people? 
and it's not improving the product. You know, you can keep improving the product, but if the people don't know about it, you know, you're obscure. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is how do you go from being obscure to being known by your customers? So really I was on podcasts, um, you know, talking about the course, you know, talking about how you could use podcast interview marketing um, to, to really leverage somebody else's audience. So I already had that um, coming from, from there. And really to beta test a product, you don't need that many people. Right. And granted, it's the price points different. If you're selling something for nine dollars, um, it can be different than if you're selling something for, you know, five hundred dollars. But really, you just need a, a handful of those people and you don't need, you know, more leads. You need more ideal leads. You need more ideal customers. So to me, it's getting that word out there in any way you can, you know through Facebook videos, something that's extended because at the end of the day, people are going to work with you because they know, like, and trust you, right? Um, we're all, you know, we're all selling uh, a product or service, but if you can talk to what their pain is and they're like, yep, this person understands me, uh, I think they can help me, then they'll start to work with you. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you say is that in order to accelerate that know, like, and trust that is needed to build that or start that re relationship with your prospect, your, your future customer, um, video is a great way to do it because they get to see you, feel you, experience you. Uh, podcasting is a great way to do it because they hear your voice, right? It's very intimate. Mm -hmm. It's like they're in the same room with you, even though you're on the other side of the planet. Um, and it really just accelerates that know, like, and trust rather than maybe they just read a, a series of blogs that you put out there. That takes a lot of time for them to really uh, extend that, that trust. Would you agree with that? Anything you want to add to that? Very much so. And, you know, um, if you're just selling a little widget and doing a transaction, well, you can go on to, to Amazon. You know, it's never been easier to sell something online now, but it's never been harder to make a, a to build a business, right? If you want to sell something, just be a penny penny cheaper than the other person and you'll get some sales. But if you actually want to build customers and lifetime value, then you've got to differentiate yourself. And to me, that comes from people no liking and trusting you. And so you've got to find a medium that allows them to do that. Um, and the, the more intimate and personal the medium can be, uh, I think the better chance and also the longer, longer format it can be. You know, um, if it's a, a 60 seconds um, snippet, I don't get really get to know you, know your heart, who you work with, all the rest of that. Mm -hmm. um, videos, especially if they're um, not over edited, I think can be great. But to me, podcasts are, are great because I think it's the most intimate form of marketing or communication, right? Because if I'm doing a video, you know, you never know. It's cue cards. You know, do I have my 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 video voice on is this take one take three but joseph it's like right now you know the best podcasts are like two guys sitting down at a denny's right <laughs> and we're just talking and um somebody else is in the booth next to us and it'd be really rude for them to turn around and get in on the conversation so they'll just sit there and listen and you know uh i always say that at the end of a podcast if somebody goes oh that was interesting that's fine if somebody goes you know tom was full of you know whatever that's fine but there's going to be certain people that go, wow, I like that. You know, um, I want to learn more. That guy understands me because at the end of the day, we don't need more leads. We need more customers. Yeah. I like to market this uh, podcast as, uh, you know, I put you in the same room with a successful entrepreneur and, and you get to sit in and be that fly on the wall and hear that conversation without, you know, eavesdropping, you know, like in a Denny's, like you said, because that just be rude, but this isn't. <laughs> 
right? So uh, you said standing out uh, earlier, and let's talk about that for a second. So I mentioned this on this show uh, often, uh, your superpower, right? I believe that we all have a superpower, meaning just like Spider-Man, he's got the spider sense, or he could climb buildings. Superman's got his, his strength and, and he can fly. What is your superpower in your business, Tom, that sets you apart from everybody else? It's the one thing that you're naturally gifted at um, and everything else you just need to outsource to someone else. What's that superpower for you? To me, it's the cross-pollination. And by what I mean that is that taking ideas from one area and putting it into another, right? So podcast interview marketing, you know, it's not something that's totally new. It's basically guest blogging, right? 10 years ago, um, you could either start your own blog and have it re read by yourself and your mom, or you could put that blog on Huffington Post or whatever. And I just looked at that and said, well, blogs aren't working nearly as well as they used to. Podcasts are taking off. You know, I could start a podcast, but that would be just like, you know, just like starting a blog. So how could we use, you know, sort of that guest blogging for um, podcast interviews? And so for me, it's that idea of we can take something from one, one area, put it in another area I call cross-pollination and uh, start something different. Because to me, you know, competition is for losers. Um, if you think you're just going to be competing with somebody else, what do you call it? Red ocean strategy or I'm better than this person. No, you're not. You know, there's a million, million of there out there. Uh, the world doesn't need another copy. It needs something different. So instead of just trying to be, I'm a little bit better, say I'm different. And a lot of people that know me will tell you Tom is different. Some of them mean it. Nicely too. <laughs> Got it. Uh, Tom, describe to us your biggest fail, uh, mistake, or setback that you had your first year in business. Oh, it's the one I continually have. Um, and it's that voice inside my head. You know, um, imposter syndrome. If you could read uh, my, um, my mind, they would, they would change it in the dictionary to Tom Schwab syndrome. Right? Because when I went to the Naval Academy, I kept thinking, oh, there's got to be a technical error here, right? Because I should not be here. You know, when I, when I started to sell, um, you know, and, and had success with it, I was scared to death. People are going to figure this out. You know, um, what are they going to figure out? What's the voice in the head saying to you? Um, that I don't know enough. I'm not ready for this. Um, uh, that, that people think I'm more than I am. Because, you know, I, I look in the mirror and I see all my floor, flaws, you know, um, as opposed to you look in Facebook and you see everybody's, uh, you know, best image there. So it seems like everybody is nailing, you know, kicking it out of the park. You know, they started uh, 30 days ago and they've already made six figures and um, all the rest of that. And, you know, that that voice inside my head. Um, and it's awful because if, if you just stay with yourself in your own mind, that's the only voice you're going to hear. So going out and hearing from customers, hearing from, I love mastermind groups, getting in there um, from that standpoint, because, uh, uh, you know, that, that voice in your head is not you um, and it's not the truth. And think about it. If, if anybody would talk to me the way I talk to myself in my mind, I'd probably punch them. I definitely wouldn't be friends with them anymore, but uh, you know, I've got to live with this guy all the time. So to me, um, that's, that's the problem that I've, I've had from my zero to 100K, from 100K to a million in any business that I've ever been in. There's always that, 
that, that imposter syndrome. And I think the studies show that men have it more than women and successful people have it more than unsuccessful people. So um, that, that's, that's something I continually struggle with. I get that, right? And Startup Nation, I know you're, you're hearing Tom right now and you're going, oh my gosh, I have that same voice in my head that says, if people find out, they're going to find out I'm a fraud, right? They're going to they're gonna think I'm a fraud because I am a fraud. Like, I, I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. It's like, I don't deserve success, but yet I'm still striving for it. And it, there's this whole, like, internal dialogue going on. And, Tom, I think you, you said it really well. Um, the reason why we started co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, is when you sit at home and uh, you bounce ideas off the mirror, as I say, uh, you're sitting with your own noise, your own voices, and you're sitting with that person that you want to punch, right? The one that keeps insulting you 24 hours a day in your head. And it's like, you need to get away from that and get around other people that are out there doing things that can uplift you. You can uplift them, serve each other. And all of a sudden you find you're very powerful as a human being when you're around other powerful human beings. What do you want to add to that? Well, there's a great book called The Enemies of Excellence. I'm sorry, I can't remember the author's name now, but one of the things that he points out there is that isolation is the enemy of excellence, right? So think about it. What's the cruelest punishment you can do to anybody? You know, most countries, um, solitary confinement is cruel and unusual punishment, but so many of us that are starting business do that to ourselves, Yes, right, we so we don't we don't have the time or the the money for an office, so we're working out of you know a, a bedroom, working out of our home, doing all the rest of that. We're isolating ourselves and uh, driving ourselves crazy, right? So you need to go out there, and if it's a co-working space, that's great. If it's if it's working at a library, so you can be around other people, uh, I think a co-working space is is better because it's it's like-minded people, mm-hmm. um, and it's and creative, can- and that's cross-pollination. But, or even, you know, getting on a Skype call, you know, talking to somebody and, uh, and realizing uh, that we're, uh, you know, uh, that their people are like you. I'm, I'm from Western Michigan here. Um, great, great people. But I think most of my neighbors think I'm a drug dealer, right? Because <laughs> I, I never leave, leave my house. They're, they're hardworking agricultural people here, but they're right. like, uh, he doesn't go to a factory. He doesn't go to a job. You know, he must be laundering money or selling drugs. So, Tom, I have to ask you, are you? <laughs> that just, was a very delayed pause. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I, awesome. I, I am not. Uh, there, uh, Good. It, Good that job. would probably be a, a quicker way uh, to make money, but uh, not sustainable long term. I'm, I'm glad you answered no, because I'm not sure how I would have responded. <laughs> so, that's cool. You know, um, you talked about isolation. Uh, you know, I give a lot of talks as a speaker, and one of the things I start a lot of my talks with is, is clearly this. Say, uh, most people think, many people think that the number one reason why small businesses fail is because of lack of funding. That's inaccurate. I believe the number one reason why small businesses fail is because of isolation because they're isolating themselves from people with funding, from people with resources, people that can help them, people that can uplift them, encourage them, et cetera. And they're, they're bouncing the ideas off the mirror, like we said earlier. So isolation is the cause of all of the crap going on in your business, in your startup, and it's holding you back right now, Startup Nation, from uh, crossing that level of your first 100K 
Anything you want to add there, Tom? Uh, that, I think you're so, so on point with that because you think about it. Uh, we live in such a great time, right? That there is more money out there than, than ever. I've got some friends in Boston and, you know, they'll come up with an idea and next thing you know, they've got, you know, a million or $10 million behind it to test the idea. And so there's lots of money out there, mm -hmm. but the difference between them and me is they know the people that have the money. You know, um, uh, if, if you want to learn how to do something, there's lots of people out there that have already done it. They'll help you. They'll teach you. Um, you know, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. I always say that the stupidest thing in the world is learning from your mistakes. I've done it and it's, it's painful, right? Why not learn from somebody else's mistakes? And if you're just isolated, you're not going to be able to do that. So. Yeah. So start nation, get out there. All right, Tom, how many hours did you put in uh, your first, uh, put in per week, your first year in business? <laughs> this is, this is a tough question because when people ask um, how many, how many hours a week do you work? I'll say oh, about 10. If you ask my wife, she'll say it's probably more like oh, 50 or 60. The difference is, is that there's 10 hours of stuff that I do each week that you would have to pay me to do. That's work. Got it. The, the other 40 or 50, to me, that's fun. You know, if I was retired, I'd start a business because that's what I love doing. Um, so I think this idea of where people say, well, it's, you know, it's a lifestyle and, you know, the four hour work week and stuff like that. Um, I don't think Tim Ferriss works four hours a week. Um, I, I hear it's actually about 80. Yeah. And, but yeah. maybe he's looking at it the same way that there's only four hours of stuff that he doesn't like to do. And so for me, I'm an early riser. I love to get up and, and get to, get to work, um, and, and doing fun things. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that's a benefit that I had coming out of the military mm -hmm. because we were taught that if you worked half days, that meant 12 hours. Right. <laughs> and so I came out of there with that mentality. Uh, wow. I only had to work a half day today. So <laughs> I get that. That's a good perspective. So we all have fear, right, Tom? Um, things, you know, that top thing that just scares the heck out of us. Uh, what would you say was the number one fear that really messed with your head back then? Uh, I st it still messes with my, my head, and it's not that voice inside my head, but it's the fear of disappointing people. You know, that's, mm -hmm. the, that's, the, that's crushing to me. Um, it's not so much fear of failure, but, you know, I'd never want to lose investors' money and disappoint them. I'd never want to disappoint my wife um, that something didn't work out, and ultimately, I don't want to disappoint a customer, right? That's why that. we yeah, That's why we that. slow – that's why we slowed down last year. We had, we had people that were lining up to sign up with us. And I'm like, I don't think we have the staff, the systems, all the rest of this to bring them on right now. And I had to tell them, no, not, no, not right now. Um, we've got we've to do this because what I didn't want to do is say yes and then just disappoint them. Um, and now they're, now they're thrilled. They're coming on board and uh, uh, we're ramping up and uh, you know, serving them better than ever. I get that from hearing, you know, that it's like, how impactful was it for you when you uh, did that, that uh, training course and they didn't get the results, right? That's a letdown, right? You let them all down. It, like, how did that impact you personally? Oh, I felt guilty, right? And I had some people tell me, you know, if you can sell $50,000 of a course 
in uh, in under 90 days and never promote it, basically just take it, you know, it's still in beta. They're like, why would you pull that down? And I said, because I felt guilty with the money, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, it's, like, it's like blood money. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like selling drugs. I've, I, I shave every day. You know, I've got to look at this guy. And, you know, uh, they've, got a, they've got a word for people that uh, do things for money that they don't like. Um, I don't want to look at myself as a whore. And so from that standpoint, I would talk to these people and I'm like, please just ask for your money back. I would give you your money back. You know, when you run in a course, you can always see the outside uh, or the, the back analytics and you talk with somebody and you're like, well, how's the course going? Oh, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm like, did you have any questions? Did you get through it all? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm just waiting to, to get some time to, to really execute on it. And I'm like, dude, there was seven chapters. I'm looking at the back end. You got through one. Stop lying to me and ask for your money back and I'll give it to you. You know? And they're like, no, no, it's, 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 not, it's not your fault. It's my fault on that. But I just felt guilty on that. So, um, you know, I, I, I never really looked at it that way until you pointed it out. But yeah, I've got to be proud with the money that I earn. I got that. So I acknowledge you for having that real conversation with your customers and saying, Hey, it's not you actually, it's the product, right? The product's not getting you what I promised. I promise mm-hmm. it's going to take you from here to there and it's not right. So that, that's really awesome that you took responsibility for the product, not being uh, what was promised and then uh, recreated it right to something that actually did work for them. So fantastic and- job on that. Yeah. And for some, the product may still work, right? Because sure. I, I, I wrote the book, I put that out there. Um, you know, it's like the recipe. It's everything we've learned, how to do podcast interview marketing. And just like the chef, you know, the chef will put his recipe out there. And some people are the do-it-yourselfers and, and will try to do it. God love them. But there's a lot of people that are our clients that they're like, I don't want the recipe. You know, I, I don't want to learn how to do this. I don't want to go through all of mm. this and then not get the results. You know, mm. I just want to go to the restaurant and enjoy it. So like, and I just so, want the cake, right? I just want the, the, the finished product. How can you deliver that to me? And I'm willing to pay you for it. So exactly. Yeah, I think it's getting clear on that. So Tom, what would you say is the best business advice you received uh, so far in this business? Uh, can I flip a, that around and say the worst business advice I ever got? Yeah, because it has a really good story to it. Yeah, you know, it, it does. And um, the worst business advice I ever got was from my grandfather. And it was the only wrong thing that old Irishman ever told me. You know, I, I think I was 17 years old going to the Naval Academy, having a beer with him. I think he thought it was my first beer. But um, hmm. he said, choose carefully who you drink with, because you can't choose who you work with. Now for him, it was it was his reality, right? He was a mechanic in a small town. If you came to him with, your, uh, with a car, you were his customer. Mm-hmm. For us, it's different, right? We've got access to the entire world now. So I think you should choose carefully who you work with, you know, it, more carefully than you uh, who choose who you drink with, right? Because if you don't want to be, them, be around them, you don't want them around your business. Because we've got so many customers out there we get to choose. Why not choose the people that are ideal customers, the cheap people you choose to love to work with because you're going to do better work for them. They're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, you'll be more profitable and it won't be so much stress. You know, it, it doesn't mean they're a bad person, but they're just a bad fit for your company. So go ahead and find somebody that's a better fit. 
Startup Nation, listen to the wisdom bomb that Tom just uh, exploded right on your head there. Uh, surround yourself with people you actually want to spend your days with, right? Because you become the average of the five people closest to you. And if you believe that, you normally spend the most time with the people at work. Yes. So choose them wisely. I think it's great advice. Tom, share with us one of your daily habits that has helped you to get to where you are today. To me, it's uh, being an early riser. Um, you know, I, most mornings I get up about 5 a.m. And I love that because it's before the email starts to go crazy. I can focus on my priorities and get those big things done before I have to start serving, um, you know, my team, my customers, all the rest of that. Um, you know, uh, I've never seen somebody uh, that's successful that sleeps in, uh, you know, till 10 or 11 o'clock. <laughs> Got it. Um, and what is your favorite website, app, or digital resource and why? Temi.com. Uh, a few months ago, I would have said Rev.com, which mm -hmm. is a, uh, a transcription service. We'll transcribe anything for a dollar a minute. This same company came out with one that's 10 cents a minute. And instead of people doing it, it's just artificial intelligence. You know, um, I'm an engineer by degree. Uh, English is my second language. I'm not sure what my first one is. But for me to write a blog post is homework. Same. But for I me to, to, to talk with you uh, is fun. So I can take anything, do a rant, transcribe it for 10 cents a minute. Um, in seconds, it comes back. And then I can have someone else uh, a lot smarter than me clean it up, uh, put the punctuation in there, uh, take out uh, my ums and all the rest of that stuff and really make it into a great blog post. So I love temi.com. How, how is that spelled? T-E-M-I.com. That's a good one. I haven't heard of that. And man, that's the same exact pain point I have. So I'm uh, better with the spoken word than the written word. And uh, now this gives me access to both. So thank you for that. And I know Startup Nation, you probably just got value out of that. That's why I asked that question. Tom, what is the one thing that you want Startup Nation to know about being successful in business? Yeah. You have something great to offer the world, to help people with, right? A product, a service, whatever. The only thing that is keeping you from it is your ideal customers um, knowing about you, right? So you can help them and guess what? They're going to show their appreciation by giving you money. You know, Rabbi Daniel Lappin calls money certificates of appreciation. So uh, what you have right now can help people. Just go out and find those people. Stop the isolation of trying to make it perfect. It never will be, but it's good enough now to help people. So find those people. Love it. So Startup Nation, we are speaking with Tom Schwab and Tom is the founder of Interview Valet. That's interviewvalet.com. And what they do there is concierge, concierge level booking service, right? So get you on podcasts where your ideal clients are so that they can hear you. They can know, like, and trust you in one podcast interview like I'm doing with Tom right now. You're really getting to know Tom. You're getting to know his heart, who he is, what he stands for. That's why I ask these provocative questions to really unpeel the onion to give you access to Tom so that you know if you want to work with him or not, right? Or just learn from him, right? And see him as a mentor per se. Tom has a, um, a great book out there, Podcast Guest Profits. Tom, where can they find that? Is that on Amazon? Is it in the bookstores? Where is it at? Uh, it's probably in some bookstores. Uh, I don't know. Does anybody go to those anymore? It's on Amazon 
and I'll tell you what, um, I give away more of these uh, than I sell, which is fine. Uh, you know, I believe podcast interview marketing is going to be huge. Uh, last year, we did a study called the State of Podcast Interviews. Uh, we reached out to about 10,000 different marketers, um, podcast hosts, podcast guests. And one of the questions we asked was, rank um, these different marketing channels for return on investment. Podcast interview marketing came number one. Facebook advertising was number two. Email marketing was number three. So from that standpoint, I think podcast interview marketing is, you know, is the future there. So if you want to learn more about it, uh, you can buy the book or I'll tell you what, uh, Joseph, uh, I'll put up a page, uh, interviewvalet.com forward slash 100K. And I'll just put the book there. So go there and you can download it for free. Look at that. Startup Nation. Tom has given you freebies already. He must know, like, and trust you. So, Tom, welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? Let's do it. Let's do it. Tom, what's your favorite sound? My granddaughter. <laughs> what's your least favorite sound? <laughs> My grandson crying. <laughs> when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? An, uh, a pilot. What are you most afraid of? Letting people down. Hmm. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? <laughs> Trying to learn and master things that other people already knew, like accounting. Yeah. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, that they will see the real me. Mm. And then find out that we're a fraud, right? Yeah, it's that, it's that old imposter syndrome there. Got it. What do you wish that you had learned sooner in your business? Um, that there are people there that want to help you and that you've got a zone of genius, work in your zone of genius and then find other people uh, and bring them in for their zone of genius. That is so well said. Got that. What is a new habit you want to form? Uh, working out every day. And what's a bad habit you want to break? <laughs> Drinking uh, two plus pots of coffee a day. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. Oh, no, that's, that's down. Uh, when I was in the Navy, it was probably five. Oh, my gosh. Pick three words to describe who you are now, Tom. Um, these come from, from the Gallup survey. Um, individualizer, maximizer, and achiever. Those are, those are three of my top strengths, and I Got think they, they're true. And pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Um, scattered, um, confused, and overworked. Does overwork count as two? I'm not sure. No, that's fine. Imagine some time in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. I hope there's people around telling stories. It's not so much what I say about it, but what other people say about me. Um, I, I'm not so, so much worried about what's on my tombstone or my obituary. You know, it's like your brand. Your brand is, what you say, is not what you say it is, it's what other people. So what I'm worried about or concerned about is people standing around the coffin uh, telling good jokes and good stories on how I helped them help their life, help their business. Uh, if that happens, I'm a blessed, blessed man. So maybe on your tombstone, you can have like a whiteboard with like Sharpie markers and like people can like write what they, they thought about you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. And Tom, last question. If you could come back to life after you died and share with your family, your friends and loved ones, only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Enjoy the ride. 
we're, we're on this earth a short, short time. Uh, everything that God brings us is for a reason. Um, there are no curses. There are just blessings that we don't understand. So uh, enjoy the ride. That's awesome. Tom, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Sure. I, I know if you're listening to a podcast, you're multitasking. So I'll just make it easy. Everything will be at interviewvalet.com forward slash 100k so the book will be there um i'll put some other resources the six secrets to get on your first podcast the checklist i use uh and all our clients use uh before their their podcast interviews and it'll have all my social media in there um my email you know i'm the only tom schwab in all of kalamazoo michigan so i'm easy to find but you know what's ordinary to you is amazing to me so if i can help you in any way please please connect that's awesome. So if you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, and you want to get featured on leading podcasts uh, where your, your prospects are ready or listening, and you want to turn those listeners into clients of yours, then go to interviewedvalet.com, pick up Tom's book, Podcast Guest Profits. Tom, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Thank you, Joseph. You're welcome. Startup Nation, head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll catch you on the next show. Cheers.